Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back into Train, Eat, Repeat. I hope you guys are having a great week. And if it's your first time here to the podcast, we're already on episode number 69. Woo! I know, getting up there. So if it is your first time, welcome on in. We cover everything around training, exercise, mindfulness, nutrition, um, anything that you need in order to live a healthier lifestyle. We try to make it small, digestible pieces of information so that way you can get the best out of your life and be your own advocate in your health. And one of the esteemed colleagues I have with me uh, on every podcast is Andrea. Hey, everyone. So if you guys are loving the show, I'm glad you're still here. I'm glad you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed, go on the iTunes app or on Spotify. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss episode this episode and ongoing. Um, if you guys have any Thing that you would like to hear covered, make sure you guys uh, get on those chat boards or you can hit us up on uh, Instagram or Facebook and let us know what you want to hear. And then one of the best ways to help us is to share this podcast with friends and family and make sure to leave a star rating and review. That allows us to get more uh, exposure. So therefore, we can get better guests on the podcast. We can cover topics at a more detailed level um, and just overall share the wealth of knowledge around uh, living a healthy lifestyle. So what we're talking about today is a topic that really I feel like we, we've touched on in bits and pieces throughout podcasts um, that we've done in the past, but something that has just become so, I guess, top of mind for us is why does foods have such a hold on us? And so where it stemmed from is we have so many conversations with clients and, and potential clients. And one of the big things or the hardest things to do with somebody is try to change their eating habits. It goes without saying, like, if you want to say, like, you know, losing weight or getting healthier is 80% diet, 20% exercise. We are more of the philosophy that it's a 50-50 merriment, like you need both aspects, but you do see the best results from a change inside of your diet. And when we say change inside of your diet, just so you know, our philosophy when we coach is diet is just what you eat. So we're focusing on eating high quality, one ingredient type foods, but our culture and as we get into like how we're hardwired makes that very hard. And too often people walk around feeling bloated and inflamed and they feel like this is normal. They have uh, either some digestive issues or they have like a, a skin rash that's another sign of things that you're eating that are not healthy for you. But too often they think that I, this is normal. Everyone feels this way and it is not normal to feel this way. And so when we help you change your eating habits, it's to take away those those yucky feelings so that way you can feel better every single day. And that's so many times that we talk with our clients, I just want to feel good. I just mm -hmm. want to feel better. I'm tired of feeling like crap every time I wake up and go throughout my day. And, and to your point, the, the body is a homeostasis machine, right? So if you grew up eating a certain way, 
you're going to not necessarily notice things like bloating, headaches, um, or if you do notice them, you're not going to attribute them to your food. Like even for me as an example, like growing up as like a, a teenager and young adult, um, I would go to the dermatologist for for acne. And, you know, dermatologists, much like doctors, they're trying to uh, treat the uh, symptom, not necessarily the cause. So in my entire time going there, and this was before I had all this knowledge about how food affects your body, we never once talked about changing diet. We talked about topical creams. We talked about medication, right? And that doesn't mean that those things don't you know, help. They did sort of, but like at a detriment, like using things like benzoyl peroxide. I can't tell you how many uh, towels and and clothing that I ended up bleaching because I was using that stuff. It made my skin really dry when in fact, more times than not, any type of skin reaction is more than likely caused by your diet Mm -hmm. or you can even uh, better your condition by having a, a, a better diet. So a skin rash or an irritation is the body w- body's way of telling you something's going on. It's a sign of inflammation, that something that you're eating, it's having an allergic response to it or some type of inflammation response to it. And so my whole point there is mm-hmm. is really just the fact that if you're not aware of it, it's because you have no reason to be aware of it. It For you, it's been normal, right? Right, right. And so your body adapted to that diet. Could you feel better? Absolutely. But right. you won't know that what that better feels like until you start to, again, be your own advocate, start to take things out of the diet that may or may not be causing those symptoms. So, so real quick, we want to make sure that we differentiate what we're talking about here. We're not necessarily talking about a food addiction on this podcast. You need a uh, health professional, whether that be a psychologist, whether that be a, a registered dietitian to actually diagnose a food addiction. But what exactly is a, a food addiction? So uh, food addiction is is consuming um, and eating behavior by consuming highly palatable foods, such as foods that are high in fat, sugar, and salt in quantities beyond your normal energy that you, energy requirements that you need. So it's, it's overeating and it's overeating the, the bad foods, the, the fats, the carbs, and the, the high fat sugar items. And I'm not talking carbs are bad. I'm talking when they're in combination with high fats and sugars as well. And it's an uncontrollable compulsive urge to eat those foods even when you're not hungry. So in that food addiction, there there's something going on chemically in the brain mm-hmm. that is causing you to go after those things regardless of how hungry you are, which causes overeating. What we're more so talking about is, is how the marketplace, also how we're hardwired as humans, why we tend to overeat certain things and how the uh, the mainstream or, or the food makers sort of key in on knowing what we crave and giving us more of it so that we get hooked on these foods. And a lot of times some of our clients may say, well, they're addicted to sugar. And there's a very small percentage of people that are diagnosed with food addiction. And as you said before, we are not here to diagnose if you have a food addiction. We are just here talking about the the foods that we we reach for without thinking and how they make us feel, so to speak, and, and how we overeat on those foods. Absolutely. So the first one 
that and the reason why you may be eating the foods that you are or eating them in the abundance that you do is that we're kind of hardwired as humans. So if you go back way, way back when food wasn't on every single corner, there wasn't a grocery store within two miles of your house, you know, you were hardwired to eat copious amounts of food when you came across it because you didn't know when that next meal was coming, right? So if you went out on a hunt and you were successful on this hunt or you were a gatherer and you gathered nuts, seeds, you know, berries, things like that, and you came back with it, you would want to eat as much as possible because you might go stretches of, you know, two days, three days, a week until your next meal. Now the problem is, is that even though we have that genetically hardwired into our system, now we can get food anywhere, right? It's so accessible and so easy, especially over the course of this pandemic, when now like things like Grubhub and DoorDash, um, DoorDash I mean, it, it, it makes it almost lazy. They've made it so easy that you just literally have to pick up your phone and dial and the food is delivered to your house. And it's typically not the good foods that you need to right. have. Right. You're not you're not getting it from like, you know, Whole Foods Market. You're no. getting it from your Taco Bells and your My favorite your one food. is... Um, Dairy Queen. They DoorDash Dairy Queen. I don't understand how Dairy Queen will stay that cold that fast to get to your door. Yeah. But who's ever If you want melted ice cream, then it's all you. Yeah. It's all you. But so, first of all, you have that going against you. So, you have to realize that you are hardwired in your uh, ancestral or or biological system to want to overeat foods. Um, And so, then the other piece that doesn't help is that we get triggered by blissy foods. And I've talked about this before on my social media streams, is that that is an actual, like, marketing term. Yeah, it's the bliss point. Yeah, bliss Mm -hmm. point. So what it is, is they find the correct combination, talking about food manufacturers, right, of mostly processed foods. They're going to look at what's the right combination of salt, fat, and carbohydrates that's going to hook somebody, and sometimes sugar, that's going to hook somebody into wanting this food, not just once, but multiple times. It's those times when you sit down in front of the TV and you reach for one chip and you just can't eat the one chip. That's the bliss point. And the fascinating thing in psychology is that you're not actually focused on the chip that you're eating. You're already focused on the next chip yeah. that you're eating. Oh, yeah. Right? Think about it like when you sit down and watch a movie and you're eating popcorn. Now, part of that is your mind is distracted, but it's that bliss point. It's the salt, mm-hmm. right? And the grease. It's the, the grease, fat. oil, mm-hmm. the fat, mm-hmm. um, and again, carbohydrates mm-hmm. and sugar. So you have the that those things out there. So just know that like food manufacturers – like that are make anything in a box or a can, they're putting those ingredients together tactfully. It wasn't like they just came across this recipe and they're like, oh, that tastes pretty good. I'll just put this together. No, like they're doing that intentionally. It's it's my one favorite thing that I used to eat in college. I was, I definitely had a, um, a relationship with Diet Coke and Doritos. Those were my two like major food groups. And Diet Coke is has said to have an addictive quality to it. And when you do stop drinking Diet Coke, you do go through a detox. But those those are those were my two bliss point foods. And it basically makes them irresistible. Oh yeah. Like there was a study out of the University of Michigan, um, and they used the Yale food addiction scale. These are the top ten foods that people are most likely to rate as problematic, meaning they can't like they overeat them, number one, and they're always craving them. So they are in order, pizza, <laughs> chocolate, chips, cookies, ice cream, French fries, cheeseburgers, regular soda, cake, and cheese. So the only thing on that list that we would consider not highly processed is cheese. 
But then again, it's it on your pizza and it's on your cheeseburgers and right. your tacos and all those other things that you put it on. But cheese does have this addictive quality in it. It's an addictive ingredient that's in there that keeps you coming back and wanting more cheese. Right. And and the thing it's also doing is it's hijacking your taste buds. Mm-hmm. So we talk about how the body is a homeostasis machine or you don't know what you don't know. So if you're constantly used to having high salt, high fat, uh, high sugar type carbohydrates, you know, um, and it can be in other things, obviously, too, you will always crave that sweetness or that amount of saltiness. And I've even seen it in individuals that they'll get a meal and sit down from a restaurant, which already you know is going to have more sodium than if you were to make it on your own, and they have to salt their food to get the right taste on their palate. So, so many times when we're working with individuals and we're trying to go more towards a one ingredient food type approach, they say, oh, it tastes bland. It doesn't taste good. Right. And that's part of it is, is their taste buds don't know what real food tastes like anymore. Well, a lot of processed foods really coat your taste buds. So you don't taste the right things that you're supposed to be tasting. So when you do take a step away from high sugary, high fat, high uh, salty type foods, your taste buds start to open up and your palate expands. Mm hmm. Yeah. So know that too, like part of changing up your diet is that your taste may actually change as well. Oh, hundred percent. And I know mine have a ton. I know, you know, you obviously introduced a lot more like vegan, vegetarian type dishes that are fantastic, but you could, I can easily see how if they weren't cooked properly, it'd be very bland tasting. They wouldn't appeal to me. I would have to add lots of sauces, which obviously a lot of condiments have a lot of salt, sugar um, in them. But now that I've gotten into that place, when I go back to something that is a little bit more sugary. So for instance, we've talked about before, um, not calling them out, but there's a particular smoothie place that I found out they add a cup of sugar to every single smoothie. So a smoothie is going to have fruits and vegetables in it, which, which are already natural, natural, sugars, natural sugars, right? Yeah. And they're adding an additional cup of sugar into that. So something you thought was very healthy, yes. which added sugar is a, a whole other ball of wax we could go off on because um, it's in everything. But now when I go to taste it, it's it doesn't taste right taste at all. All I taste is the mm-hmm. sugar. So I was in that particular uh, smoothie place ordering a smoothie for both of us, and this gentleman came in and ordered a specific smoothie that had berries, um, a banana, and some other fruit in there. There was uh, limited vegetables, but mostly fruits, which are natural sugars, which we incorporate. We should incorporate into our daily diet. But he then specifically asked, "Can I only get a half a cup of sugar instead of a full cup of sugar in my smoothie?" And I, I, I was shocked because those berries and the bananas should be sweet enough, but that half a cup was his, his bliss point. Yeah. And, and eventually though, your body does get used to it and then your body does start to feel better. And, and you made that point about fruit. People get very fearful and they think, I've heard people say, I shouldn't eat a banana. It's too much sugar, right? Here's the thing is that yes, bananas do have more sugar than like a berry or an apple, right? And it will uh, have a, a little bit more of an effect on your actual glycemic index. However, 
because of the added fiber, because of the added nutrients that are in fruit, it gets processed differently inside of your body. Natural sugars are processed completely different than added sugars, than manufactured refined sugar. And that's the one thing that um, we try and educate our clients about is that fruits and carbs are not bad. It's the right kind of fruits and carbs that you have to eat. It's not um, mashed potatoes. It's not French fries. It's not a baked potato smothered with sour cream and cheese and butter. It's the natural carbohydrates, sweet potatoes and uh, beans and the natural things that have fiber to go along with it so that they are processed efficiently in your body. So what are some of the things that that people might be uh, sort of feeling if they have added sugar in their system, but they may not even know it? So a couple of things that you'll feel in your body when you do have added sugars um, is that it increases your it increases your uh, blood pressure. Um, sugar and excess uh, both uh, affect your brain cognitive thinking and your self-control. Um, it also stimulates a more of a craving for sugary items, and it has a drug-like effect on the reward center in the brain. So it's that dopamine response that when we're feeling sad or um, emotional or uh, angry or stressed, we reach for those junk food type foods that have the high sugar in them. And again, those those are the uh, food scientists sort of biohacking your brain. Uh-huh. The two major things, number one and number two, that cause the biggest dopamine rush in individuals is physical intimacy and food. And so when to your point, when you're really stressed, your body is going to crave that dopamine response. But what you have to realize, though, is that dopamine response doesn't last all that long, right? Like, go ahead and eat, like, a tub of ice cream. Right. Like, you get that feel good. But then you automatically are getting this cascade of effects from all that added sugar. In fact, in some cases, they can make stress conditions even worse um, when you're getting all that added sugar because what what comes up must come down. Well, it's that vicious cycle. Like I said, once you start eating the sugary type foods, your body starts craving that sugary type foods Mm -hmm. again and again and again. And consuming high amounts of sugar regularly can deplete the body of its nutrients for strong cell and muscle function. A high sugary diet contributes until the a body that has less nutrients like calcium, potassium, and magnesium. And those are all the, the vitamins and nutrients that we need to help regulate our relaxation and contraction of our muscles. So a lot of times people that have high sugary diets have a hard time relaxing and have a hard time coming down and trying to fall asleep at nighttime. It also helps with bone formation, mm-hmm. calcium, magnesium. So like if you're somebody like if you're a woman or a man that's dealing with osteoporosis, obviously it's more common among women, uh, especially past the menopause age, uh, if you're eating a high sugar diet, you are becoming more fragile without a doubt. So there's just a lot of reasons why we need to be more cognizant of the foods that we're eating. Um, And again, it's not just salt or just sugar or just carbohydrates or just fats. All of those things separately are actually things that our body requires, right? So when we say, uh, I'm sorry, when we say high sugar diet, it's not, we're not talking about like candies and sodas and those type of things. We're talking like added sugars that are in fast foods and cheeseburgers and French fries and and sodas specifically or junk food like potato chips and, and crackers and cookies. And those are all the things that have added sugar in them, but they also have fat and high salt content. So that combination is is just detrimental for your 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 body. 
Yeah. So like sodium, your body needs that. It's an electrolyte, right? To help hydrate you. Sugar, much in the same way. It's an electrolyte. Carbohydrates, you just talked about, have fiber. They're really good for energy sources. And then fats, they, they help regulate hormonal function. So those things separately, but when you put them together in those combinations, like all that, those 10, that list of 10 foods that we talked about, it, it creates not only just excess calories, processed calories that your body has a hard time deciphering exactly what it is and actually digesting it properly, um, but then also, too, it creates that addictive nature, and that's not what we want. And now these those items that we listed, there are so many different ways to make those items a more healthier choice. We're not saying you have to give up your favorite foods, whether it's a cheeseburger or a pizza, but you can make a better choice of, of what those foods are. Like you can choose a different crust for the pizza, maybe a less processed crust, a cauliflower crust, or less cheese. You can always go with half cheese. You don't have to go with that that huge amount of cheese that they put on there. And then load it with vegetables. You know, stay away from the pepperonis and the slimies and the sausages and those type of things. And when you when you start to make these changes, it becomes vitally important that you listen to your what your body is telling you. So if you're feeling those symptoms, if you're feeling bloated, if you're feeling congested, if you're feeling headaches, if you're getting diarrhea, Those are signs that your body is not processing something the way that it should or even going to the bathroom at all, right? We've talked about poop so much and how important it is to have at least one bowel movement, if not two, per day. Mm -hmm. And we constantly find that people are going two, three days without bowel movement. Again, that is a sign that something else is going on inside the body. So all that to say is, is that food can have a drastic hold on you, but only if you allow it to. And hopefully we gave you the information you need to know what exactly the food manufacturers and what combinations of foods are actually holding on to you and creating that addiction. And hopefully you can start to make some choices inside of your own life to sort of get away from it. Absolutely. So you guys enjoy the rest of your week. If you do have more questions or uh, would like to uh, sit down with us to talk about uh, specific sort of food issues that you're having, make sure to reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.